Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, today we're talking about 1986 action fantasy, The Wraith. This is probably the first exclusively car chase movie we've done, I think. Yeah, I mean, the last one was kind of a, they were chasing a car, but this is a car chase. Yeah, yeah. About a bunch of 30-year-old teenagers in Arizona and their troubles with a street racing gang. <laughs> movie was made on a budget of $2.7 million, which is a lot of money for an independent film. Yeah. Uh, was released on a very limited release in the U.S., released on 88 screens, grossed $1.4 million in the U.S. and $3.5 million worldwide. So it's a little more successful than some of the movies we've talked about. It was successful when it came out, but like uh, it didn't age well. And then, it, I don't know, it's kind of got like a cult following back up again. Yeah. I think it's just a weird movie, you know? It's definitely a weird movie. Um, At the time we're recording this, it is free to watch on Amazon Prime, Tubi, Vudu, Pluto TV, and YouTube TV. So check it out. It's 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 a weird movie to me because like I, I grew up watching this like on TNT and TBS like in the summertime. Yeah, like at my parents' house, and then like later on, it's like I realized that it's uh it's exactly like the movie The Crow. Yeah, yeah, it is like like heavy. I and in and the crow, there's like a guy that's a skank and yeah. fun boy. And in this movie, it's got a guy named Skank and Gutter Boy, right? And it, they're both like revenge movies, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it's just the similarities are like really weird to me, yeah. That's that's uh, I hadn't really drawn that connection, but yeah, you're right, it's that's dead on. Couple of things about this movie. First off, it features a mediocre bad guy who is really outshined by his comic relief minions. Yeah. Um, That happened in the crow, man. Very docile, obedient girls who do whatever their boyfriends order them to do. Oh man, yeah. That's that's really awkward. And lots of really well made race scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plus, you get Randy Quaid doing Randy Quaid stuff, and that's always a win. Yeah. Movie was written and directed by Mike Marvin. He's better known as a producer. I guess he's best known for Wishman, starring Jeffrey Lewis from Night of the Comet and Lust in the Dust as a genie. Oh, yeah. Wishmaster? Wishman. Or wish man. Wishman. Oh, that sounds horrible. It does. I can I think of a lot of people that I would like to see as a genie, including Sinbad today. Not forget Sinbad in his prime. I'd like to see Sinbad today as a genie. But Jeffrey Lewis? No, no thanks. <laughs> he also wrote and directed the teen sex romp comedies Hot Dog the Movie and Hamburger the Motion Picture. I've seen both of those. I loved Hot Dog the Movie. See, I was a Hamburger University guy. That was that was the one with the Chinese downhill <laughs> and the Chinese guy who says, "What the fuck is Chinese downhill?" <laughs> yeah, 
those movies like really didn't age well. This one no. aged better, but it spots, yeah, it didn't. But yeah, it just, those other ones are like, I don't know. Yeah. Colleges are based around food. It's just weird. Yeah. He also wrote episodes of MacGyver and Silk Stockings. And he really must have loved, I mean, really loved this movie because most of his credits are using the main character of this movie as his name. He's credited as Jake Kesey in almost everything he did. <laughs> it's like a, like a little thing, you know, like, oh, yeah, no one's ever going to get me assigning it to the hotel as Jake Kesey. Right. The movie was dedicated to Bruce Ingram. Bruce Ingram was a cameraman who was killed in an accident filming one of the race scenes in this movie. Movie stars Charlie Sheen as Jake Kesey, who is best known for being Charlie Sheen. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> this was back when Charlie Sheen still cared about acting, though. Yeah, like after Lucas, but before a lot of the stuff that he's like uh, famous for. So it was like a really weird, like, yeah, like the next year after this movie, everybody in this movie kind of like blew up. Yeah. Like Nick, uh, uh, Clint Howard. Of course, Charlie Sheen, known for the Hot Shots franchise, Young Guns, Men at Work with his brother Emilio Estevez, Spin City with David Spade, Two and a Half Men, Anger Management, the TV show, not the Jack Nicholson, Adam Sandler movie, which was awesome. Yeah, it was a good movie. Nick Cassavetes as Packard Walsh. <laughs> this is this is what I meant about the thirty-something-year-old teenager. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like the the good the good guys quote air quote. They kind of look age appropriate, and they probably are closer to age appropriate. Right. The bad guys all like thirty to forty-something years old. Right. <laughs> this guy has been a character actor from nineteen eighty to present. Appeared in Face Off with Nick Cage and John Travolta. Was in Class of 1999 to The Substitute. Also appeared in Entourage, Quantum Leap, L.A. Law, and Matlock. And this is my favorite credit. This is the best credit of all time. This guy starred as... I'm, I'm going to try this. Maybe I'll get it right the first try. Adonis Papadopadopanopopopoulos. In the movie Farticus, about an old man who gets the walking farts every time a beautiful woman enters the room. Wow. <laughs> that eat, man. Yes. That's probably one that needs to be on the list, but it probably will never be on the list. I, 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 I can't wrap my head around that. But... <laughs> I still like, yeah, it's like a, a like, the asshole character in a lot of stuff, especially yeah. like it, LA Law or whatever. Yeah. Next, we have Sherilyn Fenn as Carrie. She is an incredibly successful character actor, known oh, yeah. for Twin Peaks and Gilmore Girls, had appearances in Tales from the Crypt, Outer Limits, Law and Order SVU, Boston Public, CSI Miami, and more recently, the Showtime series Shameless and Ray Donovan. And the the when they brought back Twin Peaks to the return, right? Playing the was, exact same character. Yeah. Oh man, I loved her as Audrey on Twin Twin Peaks. Yeah, and she was pretty awesome as as Frank Gallagher's ex girlfriend Queenie on Shameless. 
And uh, we've got Randy Quaid as Sheriff Loomis, probably best known as Cousin Eddie from the Vacation franchise. Yeah. Well as Independence Day. Yeah, it was pretty successful as a comic relief character until losing his mind in the early 2000s. Getting arrested for trespassing while squatting in someone else's mansion and seeking asylum in Canada to hide out from a group of people he called the Hollywood Star Whackers. Yeah. Oh, man. I've seen some of those videos on YouTube. They are insane. Yeah. uh, The poor guy. I mean, mental health is is a real needs to be a real priority in Hollywood, I think. Oh, yeah. But like him and his wife, it's like they like just fuel each other's fire man it's like they, they're yeah. both not so it's a shame because he's he's a really funny guy but you know you know we saw mel gibson go down that same line but i mean with it that was more addiction than isolation from reality but still whatever happened to his brother man his brother was a good actor his brother is still a very successful and active actor he's just not talking about uh randy quaid for very good reasons you know he's keeping his distance there he said in an interview that they hadn't spoken in several years yeah i wouldn't either man (laughs) (laughs) he looks like some kind of demented ass like santa claus now right like worse than david letterman (laughs) 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 david sherrill as skank Known oh, for The Rookie, One Tree Hill, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he had an uncredited role in Mars Attacks. What, what was he in Mars Attacks? He was some uh, some colonel. Oh. And finally, Jamie Bozian as Gutter Boy, who also appeared in 21 Jump Street, spent a couple of years on Days of Our Lives, and appeared in One Tree Hill and Con Air. Th- that guy in this movie looks like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, he does. Or, or like both of them put together. It's just awkward. He's just like the most awkward person. He's afraid of everything all the time. Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a walking just say no commercial, too. Oh, yeah. Both yeah. those guys. Are- so the movie starts with a shot of a car racing by, and then we get a night sky with lots of shooting stars. Uh, one shooting star descends and starts racing along a stretch of desert road as a ball of light. And it's kind of weird because sometimes it's one ball of light. Sometimes it's two. Yeah. It hits a street sign and melts the streams street sign. It flies by some uh, electric transmission lines and we see electricity arcing along those lines. It punches a hole through Randy Quaid's face on a billboard to reelect Sheriff Loomis. And then five balls of light collide at a crossroads to become a car and a man wearing a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah, it's a funky spacesuit, too. It's like, I don't know. It's like a, like a stunt suit, you know? Like, yeah. You see somewhere. But then it's got like all these rickety ass, like, uh, I don't know, things on it. Like, yeah. It's yeah, it almost it almost looks like something that uh, uh, a motocross uh, racer would wear, but then it's got wires and tubes all over it, hoses all tubes over it, and braces and stuff. Right, I don't know. It's really weird. It's bizarre. Well, after this, we get our opening credits, 
and we see George and his girlfriend driving at night when some cars appear on the road behind them. And apparently cars on this road are rare enough that as soon as they see the headlights, they just freak out completely. (laughs) Well, these cars, apparently they had reason to be afraid because these cars pull them over. It turns out that this is Packard and his gang, and they have set up a roadblock. Packard isn't going to just steal the car. It's got to be a game for him. Yeah. Instead, they're going to race for pink slips. Because apparently, if you participate in an illegal road race, that makes it perfectly legal to take someone's car. That's part of this that I was never really clear on. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's it's like, he's a bad guy and a real asshole, but he's like not going to straight up jack his shit because he's not a thief. But he, I don't know, he comes off as being like, I don't know, like a date rapist and like just, you know, all around bad dude. Right. He's just going to make you race for your own car. It's stupid. Yeah. And they're going to hold George's girlfriend hostage to make sure that he comes back to the starting line after he loses to give up his car. This is our first road race, and it's not a bad one. And we get Ozzy for the background music, too. Oh, yeah. Packard ends up winning and takes George's car. And when they get back to the starting line, Packard says, you know, this, like I mentioned, the car is theirs nice and legal. Well, George accuses Packard of cheating, but then Packard has a switchblade. So, I mean, what do you do when somebody's got a switchblade? We just shut up and walk off. Oh, man, you got to walk all the way back to town and shit. Yeah, they're out in the middle of the desert and they got to walk to this, this is back to town while Packard and his gang take George's car. Next day, we are in Brooks, Arizona, population 6,482. And we see who we will later learn is Jake Kesey, played by Charlie Sheen, on his motorcycle. He sees this girl leaving her house and just walking down the street. This is Carrie Johnson. So he stops to ask her, is this the way to get to Crawford Dam? He's new in town, so she immediately agrees to go with him. Because that's what you do when you meet somebody who you know nothing about. You just hop on a motorcycle with them. Yeah. She's like the most easy, kidnappable person. Uh, she's just- <laughs> hey, I got this candy for you. Oh, I love candy. You know, and it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Damn it. I got kidnapped again. Like, yeah, like boyfriend's an asshole and stuff. But it's like, you know, maybe he needs to be in shape. Because she's just hopping on bikes with strangers. Yeah. Well, Packard pulls up as she's about to go with Jake and, and says, ah, there's my boyfriend. She says, is that your boyfriend? And he's, she says, no, he's not my boyfriend, but she's going to leave this guy she just met and go with this guy because, well, he told her to. Yeah. It's like she should just get an order of protection on the guy, but like, no, nah, it's like, oh, no, I'll just get in the car. It's easier for everybody. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, she does get in the car, and Packard takes that opportunity to remind her that she's his. And if he can't have her, he'll make sure nobody can have her. Out at Crawford Dam, this appears to be a local swimming hole. Turns out Packard kind of is Carrie's boyfriend, maybe, but only because he's threatened to kill her if she dumps him. Or kill anybody in town that right. like, just hangs out within a couple of feet of her. Yeah. Also, it's like a swimming hole, but there's like no one swimming. Right. And it's all rocks. 
Yeah, it's like rocks and like a little creek, like in between a bunch of rocks. Yeah. Jake is also out here. He's kind of laying on a on a towel, sunning, watching over the whole thing because he's uh, he's way up high. Yeah. He is up there watching Carrie from a distance. And that's when Billy Haskins approaches Jake and delivers the required background information on all the characters in the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, this guy. He's like, uh, I don't know, he's like that nerd character from uh, Alienator. Yeah. He's just, oh, man, he's just so hateable. You just want to punch him in <laughs> his chest. He tries to be funny. He's like, I got, I don't, he's like a nerd. And at the same time, he's like just a Joe average guy. Right. And his jokes are just not funny at all. Like no. every line of makes you cringe. He wants to, he wants to hang out with Jake because he's not welcome down there with the rest of the folks. And like I said, he's there to deliver background information on all of the characters. For instance, Carrie used to be super close with Billy's brother, Packard get super jealous when anybody even looks at Carrie and somebody murdered Billy's brother. I think I know who murdered his brother. I think the whole town. They've kind of given that one away already. Yeah. And we get a really weird flashback scene at this point. Uh, A scene of Jake and Carrie having sex when Packard and his gang burst in and killed Jake. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, this this whole movie is like really stupid because like uh, one is like the guy that's playing dude's brother, yeah, not even Charlie, right? Right. So like he he this guy comes back as another dude, you know that that stuff is just weird as shit. Yeah. Also, like Charlie Sheen's got these scars on his back. Like I don't know what that's about. They try to make that set that up like that's a thing. So the only thing that we know at this point is that somebody murdered Billy's brother, that Packard is really jealous of Carrie, or anybody who looks at Carrie. We know that Jake has these scars on his back, and nobody recognizes him. He's new in town. And we just saw a flashback of Packard killing Jake and slicing up his back, a lot like those scars, uh, you know. Might, dis- might explain where those scars came from if he was actually dead. Yeah. And so we've got little bits and pieces of information that might lead you to conclusion, but we have no idea whether or not that conclusion's right yet. Next, we see Gutter Boy and Skank arrive at the dam. Skank likes to drink automotive fluids, and it looks like he's drinking brake fluid. Yeah. It, it starts off as like just brake fluid. Like a couple of those a day. Right. You know, and yeah. It just gets worse from there. Well, Packard wants Skank and Gutter Boy to inform him if they see Jake anywhere near Carrie, which is a perfect opportunity for Jake and Carrie to go floating down this creek together, which they do. <laughs> so, how about right there? They're, they're together right there. That's awkward as hell, too, because it's like there's the only two people in the water and right. they're like on giant floats and they just like kind of slowly like float down. They float down around this little corner and then turn around and immediately go back. Like sneaky as shit, but like not because like they're the only two people in the water and like everybody can see them. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. We see Packard shouting for Carrie like he can't see her right in front of him. And and she tells Jake, you need to come meet me after work at Big K's Burgers. 
she's a car hop there. And Big K's Burgers, based on the way the car hops is, are dressed, is kind of like a cross between Sonic and Hooters. Yeah. It's like that throwback of like the uh, 50s kind of like era burger joint, but like uh, 80s tacky uh, sex appeal. Right. Okay. So we're at Big K's now. And we see Billy and Carrie leaving Big K's when Packard shows up. But Billy can't get him gone before Packard and his gang kind of fence him in. His car won't start. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's some back and forth there. And Billy, this part made no freaking sense. I, I know a lot of this movie makes no sense. But this scene in particular made absolutely no sense. Billy insults Augie. So Packard grabs Augie and holds a knife to his throat. I don't get it. Then he decides he wants to race Billy for his car. But <laughs> before they can, his piece of crap, Alfa Romeo, that won't start. But before that can happen, this new car shows up. And man, it's slick. This is a, a, an experimental car. It's a 1985 Dodge M4S that was built for PPG as a as a pace car yeah it was like some kind of weird prototype they got thrown away but like they made it anyway and it's like yeah we'll just use it at races it'll just be the pace car it looks so it, bad it was made specifically to be a pace car i was yeah okay but yeah it's like uh it's just it's total futuristic right like, think of our from the future that like we're well we're, 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 i guess our present <laughs> more futuristic than those cars maybe not the teslas and shit but you know yeah it kind of looks it it kind of looks almost like a modern lamborghini but it's a dodge interceptor back then this thing was yeah pretty fucking sweet it was yes yeah well augie wants to race against the interceptor and packard's gonna let him so uh we get our second car chase we don't see who's in the interceptor. He never rolls the windows down. So we never see what's going on on there, who's in there. But Augie's going to race this car, and he's trailing for most of the race. And then we see the interceptor just take off down the road and completely lose him just as Augie speeds by a cop car. The, the car just disappears. Yeah, the car just takes off down the road. And we see Augie go by, go past a couple of cop cars. Well, they follow him and they're, they're far enough behind that they, they can't really see. Uh, I guess Augie loses the cops as well. They're, they're still trying to, to catch up to him. And he comes around a curve and he sees the interceptor just stop across the road and he runs right into it and both cars explode and, and go off the cliff. After we see Augie killed in this fiery explosion, the Dodge Interceptor reappears on the road and drives away just as the cops catch up. That's right. Yeah. It's just like kind of like ghost cars. Yeah. Close, and then Augie's car goes off the cliff and then it, he just like zap and ghost car and then he just drives it off. And then the cops get to the burning car and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Sheriff Loomis is questioning the gang on the side of the road, and we get a shot of the driver of the Interceptor watching from atop some nearby rocks. 
Loomis wants to know who the other driver was, but Packard wants a lawyer first. (laughs) That's when a deputy calls Sheriff Loomis over to the ambulance to take a look at the body. It's the body of Augie, but it's not burned. It's not smashed up. The only thing to show that there's any injury at all is his eyes are gone. Yeah, they did a really cool effect. I don't know how they did that, but it looks, it's, yeah, it's ghastly as shit. Yeah, it was a really good makeup effect. And it looked like it was just matte black uh, makeup over, over his eyes, but it is so very black that you can't make out, you know, any shape or anything. It was done pretty well. Yeah, it looks, it's, it's all hollowed out and he's like mummified or not, mummified, but he's like blue. He's like corpsey and shit. Yeah. He goes, Loomis goes back to, questioning the gang and they tell Loomis about this mysterious um, interceptor that appeared. Loomis tells Packard, well, he'll be back with warrants. And then he just leaves and we get a shot of this, of the spaceman driver of the interceptor and a piece of his spacesuit just disappears. This will happen a few more times and we never know why. Back at the garage, Packard wants Rughead to make some upgrades to his car because it's getting harder for him to win races. And, well, no, this isn't back at the garage. This is on the side of the road. The gang's getting ready to leave, and Packard wants Rughead to make upgrades to his car because it's getting harder for him to win races. And Carrie is crying because Augie's dead. But Packard wants to know why she was with Billy, you know, her ex-boyfriend's best or brother. And we get this really weird scene where he pulls out his switchblade and it's like he's threatening to cut her. But then he makes some weird speech about not being a loving her so much that he can't feel pain anymore and just grabs the blade of the knife and makes her pull it out of his hand and slice his hand. Yeah, the whole thing's like creepy as hell. It's like we're like blood brothers, maybe blood lovers or like that. Yeah. It's 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 really really cringy. Back I in like busted lip or something like out of nowhere. Well, you know what that was. He after he cut his hand like that, he he got some of the blood on his finger and and reached over and touched her lip with it. Oh yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, I guess that's really it. bizarre. Yeah. Back in the garage, Rughead has finished work on a remote engine killing device and new fuel injection for Packard's car, while Skank and Gutter Boy chop up George's Daytona. And then we see the driver of the Interceptor, the spaceman-looking guy, just walk in through the front door with a shotgun. Yeah. Oh, this, whole, uh, this place is weird as shit. On the outside, it's like an old beat-up barn, you know? Yeah. On the inside, it's like it's got the neon lights and crap. It is a high tech garage inside. Got like a glass wall or something that would be like in a doctor's office or like, uh, like I don't know, like some kind of like LA fucking police or something. It's weird as shit. But before anything else can happen here, we get a flashback of the gang loading a body, presumably Billy's brother Jamie into the trunk of a car and rolling it off a cliff. And then we cut back to the garage where the spaceman starts shooting things up, including their pinball machine. Yeah, that pissed me off. I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, sure, shoot these guys up, but, like, don't don't hurt the pinball. Right, a vintage pinball machine. Don't, don't mess that up. 
He's got like a space shotgun that's got like lasers on it. Right. Like, like Knight Rider. It's just super over the top. <laughs> like, I was, man, what the hell is the lasers doing on the shotgun? It's not like a laser sight. It's they're on the the outside of it, so it's like just constantly like like decoration. Know. Yeah, space shotgun. Space shotgun. He points the space shotgun at Packard and then decides, "I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot up your garage instead." And he shoots up all the cars while Packard, being the uh, strong, dominant alpha male that he is, stands by quietly and watches. Garibaldi freaks out. He's like hiding behind shit. He's yeah. just like, uh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't try to stop this guy that's shooting up his stuff. He just stands there and watches. Packard's really a coward. Yeah. And then as soon as it's done, the spaceman just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> just poof, gone. Next, we see Loomis arrive at the airplane graveyard where Skank and Gutter Boy work. He's trying to ask questions about who Augie was racing, but Gutter Boy isn't going to say anything because he knows his constipational rights. <laughs> Loomis, Loomis tells him to call him when they remember something, and then he leaves, and Skank, Skank is drinking hydraulic fluid this time. Gutter Boy Gutter Boy's really upset. He doesn't know what they're going to do because... Well, they don't have a telephone. How can they call him? <laughs> Next, we see Loomis at Big K's getting a free lunch when Packard shows up with his gang, including all of the cars that the spaceman shot up, but they're not shot up anymore. Yeah. Either, like, that was, like, ghost bullets they shot that shit up with, or Clint <laughs> uh, Howard is really good uh, garage mechanic, you know? It's like... He is yeah. a mechanical genius in this film. Yeah, it's like a little Vondo and some duct tape. And that, yeah, that'll run. Right. It's like, He's kind of like, uh, well, I, I keep coming back to him in almost every episode. Ian McShane in the remake of Death Race 2000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine that character, but with uh, an eraser head haircut. And yeah. It's, yeah. Like Howard. Like, He's got like, a giant red Jufro. Yeah. And it, uh, <laughs> like really circular glassics not really really coke bottle but yeah they're come close to it very close it to weird. it yeah next we have packard questioning skank and gutter boy about their attempts to find the spaceman packard tells carrie that she better be here when he comes to pick her up and then he gets back in his car where he finds a note taped to the steering wheel that just says i'll be waiting at lookout mountain road and they all take off and Sheriff Loomis follows him. The sheriff has got all of his deputies in place to catch the road race when the interceptor shows up. Before the race can start, though, Rughead has to install the radio killer into the interceptor's engine so that in case he tries to run off, they can remotely kill his electronics. So the back of the interceptor opens up because in the future, the engine's in the rear. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that episode of the Jetsons when when they went to look for a robot maid. This is Blanche Cobb. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Bonjour. <laughs> look at that suspension. <laughs> Cheek, isn't she? Very cheeky. And look, the engine. It's in the rear where an engine belongs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, like it, when he looks into that like little engine thing, it's like shaking and glowing, and there's like smoke coming off of it. Like it, it looks like I don't know. Yeah, it's like that's not your normal engine. Right. Right. It's a purple neon future engine. Yeah, temporal vortex thing going on back there. Right. Imagine Back to the Future. <laughs> Got to go back, Mark. Well, Minty is going to race his Trans Am against the Interceptor. Rughead starts the race just as the police appear, and the deputies take off following the cars that are racing. Throughout the race, we get shots of Minty's Trans Am which has a completely non-functional blower sticking up through the hood. Yeah. Not only is it not turning, it's not even uh they didn't it's not even make believe connected to anything. It looks like they just welded it to the hood of the car. Right. It's there to look cool. It doesn't actually work, but you know, if we got a drag racer, it's got to have a blower on it, right? Yeah. I think that's like the whole thing in the movie. It's like, yeah, it just looks, the movie doesn't work. It just looks. Right. And I think there's a lot of stuff in this movie just because it looks cool. Yeah. Well, shit, that pacer car. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Minty comes around a curve to find the interceptor parked right across the street. He crashes into it and both cars explode. And then the interceptor reappears unharmed and drives away. We see. The deputies take off chasing the interceptor toward a roadblock. The interceptor stops at the roadblock, then decides, you know what, screw this, and just crashes right through it. And Loomis and the remaining deputies give chase, but the interceptor just disappears in a big cloud of mist. Ghost car. Ghost car. Back at Big K's, they're closing up for the night. It's Carrie and Billy leaving. And Carrie sees a shooting star. Billy suggests it's a UFO. Billy offers Carrie a ride, and she says, no, she's fine. So Billy leaves, and then Jake sneaks up silently on his motorcycle that makes a whole lot of noise every time except right now. (laughs) Yeah, ghost cycle. (laughs) Yeah, Carrie gets on the motorcycle and leaves with Jake, and they drive past Skank and Gutter Boy, who, remember, they're supposed to be watching out for anybody hanging around her. So they take off after Jake and Carrie, and we get to see a car chase through town. Skank decides they're going to run him down, and he tells Gutter Boy to get the shotgun. Well, this causes Gutter Boy to just panic. I didn't know nothing about no shotgun. Yeah, this turns him into a straight-up crybaby. They continue to race as Gutter Boy loads the gun. Skank tells him to shoot Jake's tires, but instead Gutter Boy shoots the floorboard of Skank's car. (laughs) And they crash and roll over, but they're both unhurt. Oh, man, yeah. That's weird. Sounds like we got a uh, special guest on the podcast this time. Yeah, the cat jumped up on me. (laughs) She just jumps up on me so she can chew on me, and then she'll jump off. Yeah, but they're supposed to be like out looking for or girls looking out for a girlfriend. They try to kill her. Right. They're supposed to be just reporting back on any time this guy's hanging around Carrie. So, of course, they try to kill them both. (laughs) Well, they've completely demolished their car and Skank needs to think. So he grabs a can of 
WD-20 and starts huffing that so that he can think more clearly. He's not huffing it, man. He's spraying it with that little straw straight up his nose. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Intravenous greasy. I don't know what problem. I don't know. He's got a thing for oils, whether it's hydraulic fluid or brake fluid, or in this case, WD-20. Can't say WD-40 for uh, trademark reasons, but WD-20 in a blue and yellow can is perfectly okay. Also, the way the car like landed, it was like up on its side. Yeah. And then I think they wanted to do like they had some guys out there to like push it over to end that scene. Because after he hails the stuff, he's like, yeah, I know what we're going to do. And then it's like, bam, you know, it's like, but it just kind of like rocks a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's completely ineffective. Yeah. Out of the way, these guys are a couple of fuck ups. So it's kind of like that. Well, Jake drops Carrie off at her house and they kiss while Bonnie Tyler plays in the background. Packard is parked nearby watching them and doing nothing about it, by the way. After they kiss, Jake says, yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) I mean, since he kissed a girl or what? I don't know, man. I I don't think anything works on this chick. (laughs) She's not written well at all, man. No. It is. It's like some, like, I don't know, like 10-year-old or 12-year-old's, like, fantasy movie. Like, none none of the people make any sense. Right. It's, you know, this was... This probably was one of Mike Marvin's very first scripts, and he hadn't really figured out what's funny yet. He didn't have studio backing, so he couldn't hire comedians to punch up the script. And so he's trying to make jokes, but he's not very funny. It's it's weird. Yeah, it's like usually like, yeah, you test somebody from the studio like, oh, we want this in the movie. This got to be like this. What right. is all this shit? Catch Betty's in here, but like, yeah, they didn't have any of that, so it was like, yeah. And so, yeah, and with the studio backing, they would look over the script and say, yeah, it needs some work. We've got some people, and then they would have, you know, three or four comedians write jokes to insert into the script or fix jokes that are in the script and and actually make it funny. Yeah, but they don't have it, so just it seems it comes up. I don't know. It works only in if. Like, if you imagine this is all like a dream. Right. Which, that kind of works. But, like, yeah, even then, like, it's like this crap. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, Carrie warns Jake that Packard might try to kill him. So he asks her to go out with him, of course. And she accepts. I mean, if I go out with you, this guy might try to kill you. So let's go out. Which either means she doesn't take Packard very seriously or she doesn't care if Jake gets killed. (laughs) Jake rides off and Packard follows, but Jake disappears into the sky as a ball of light. Yeah, it's like his bike and him just kind of become stars and fly up in the sky. Yeah. Next, we see Packard comes up on Skank and Gutter Boy walking in the street. As he questions them, the interceptor kind of floats down behind them and rams them into a cemetery. That was funny as shit. <laughs> it's like the scene uh, where you uh, where you, you see somebody talking tough about something, and then the person that they were talking about beating up just pops up behind them. Yeah, but with cars. <laughs> with cars, funny. yeah. 
He's like, yeah, and when I see that guy, I'm going to kick his ass. Holy shit. And then bam. And then like it goes not just like a couple of feet, but like all the way across the street through a brick wall through like two or three gravestones. Yeah. Just stops. It's like, just shit. smashes through a cemetery. But they get out of the car and the little spaceman guy is standing there. Packard tells Skank to shoot him, but the shotgun misfires and just Daffy ducks the barrel. I mean, it peels back banana peel style. Yeah, it's totally out of fucking Looney Tunes, that scene. He's like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> bam. And then, like, he's got, like, soot and stuff on his face. Right. Yeah, the barrel's blown the fuck out. And it's so funny. And the next thing we see, Packard notices that that's his name on that gravestone that he stopped in front of. And so he gets scared and they all leave. Next day at the garage, Packard is having sex with one of the other car hops from Big K's when Sheriff Loomis walks in on him. He's got a warrant this time, and Packard's going with him. And they just leave the girl there to get dressed and to fend for herself. Yeah, I know. The sheriff like throws her a shirt, and she says, thank you. Well, yes. Like, he, sa- he says, are you okay? And she says, yeah, I'm okay now. It's like, was that non-consensual? Is like that creep just like, I'm um, kidnapping chicks from this burger joint and then taking them to this place like the whole town knows about it or something. It's just really weird. Like, nothing's set up right in the scene. Yeah. Next, we see Jake and Carrie riding out to their date spot on the river. She tells Jake that she had a, a dream last night that the man in the moon was laughing at her. <laughs> and then she dreamed she was on a motorcycle with Jamie, Billy's brother who got killed. She says that Jamie was a lot like Jake, and we get a flashback to Carrie and Jamie having sex when Packard and his gang bust in and murder Jamie. Now, this is the exact same flashback that we had earlier at the swimming hole, but it was Carrie and Jake at that point. Now it's Carrie and Jamie. Is it possible that Jake is the ghost of Jamie from outer space? Man, <laughs> that's the only explanation. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's just, yeah, this thing is like all over the fucking place. It's almost like they filmed the whole movie and then like, oh, we got Charlie Sheen. He just got off of so-and-so or, or Wolverines or something. It's like, hell yeah, let's get Charlie Sheen. And like <laughs> went, refilmed like all the movie. It's is. I mean, he wanted it to be a space guy, but he wanted it to be a ghost. So make it a ghost from space. Apparently, when you die, you go to outer space and then you can come back as a ghost. I don't know. Yeah. Come back as uh, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. I don't want to come (laughs) back as Charlie Sheen. So you can save money on getting me a spaceship. I don't don't want to come back as Charlie Sheen. Yeah, me neither, man. I'd rather be the crow. Well, Carrie says she really likes Jake, which causes Jake to tell Carrie that he loves her. And so, of course, she starts getting undressed and they make out there in the water because that's the way that totally works. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the sheriff's back in the sheriff's smoke filled office. Oh, man. Not only is it smoke filled, the air conditioner is not working. So everybody's sweaty. This place must smell awful. I bet it smells like Randy Quaid. <laughs> After eating Taco Bell. Oh, man. Or something. Like, just, yeah, everybody's, like, freaking out. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of off as, like, they're in trouble 
with the principal, even though they're all like 30 something. Yeah, they're kind of sitting on a bench along the wall, looking like they've been they're sitting outside the principal's office waiting for their mom to show up. Yeah. He's like making snow angels to share. He's, He's cutting like, out paper dolls. Yeah. This is a weird movie. Yeah. And he's talking about all these all these recent deaths, and he thinks the gang's involved in it. Uh, it turns out Minty's when they found his body, he was also un- completely unharmed, except for his eyes being missing and being dead, of course. Loomis tells him if the driver of the interceptor, probably Jake, turns up dead, he'll see that they all get the death penalty for it, which is really weird. Yeah. And we see Jake dropping Carrie off at her house, and there's lots of smooching. Back at the garage, Packard is saying goodbye to all of his good friends. Handshakes all around. What the hell? Um, It turns out he's going to take care of some business. And after Packard leaves, Rughead has packed up all of his blueprints in a briefcase, and he's leaving. He's scared of the wraith, and then he has to explain to Skank and Gutter Boy what a wraith is. (laughs) (laughs) And he thinks the driver of the Interceptor is a ghost or an evil spirit or something, and he is quitting this gang. It would figure like the the smart guy would just like, yeah, no, that's that guy we killed. I'm out. Yep. After Rughead leaves, Skank and Gutter Boy gas up a car to go cruising because Gutter Boy's a four-day virgin. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Rughead, we see Rughead driving away when he sees the Interceptor pull up and run him off the road, then speed up the hill and crash into the garage, blowing it up and killing Skank and Gutter Boy. Then the the interceptor drives away completely unscathed. And I finally got to say unscathed in a podcast. <laughs> Mark that off the bucket list. There we go. Loomis and his deputies arrive at the burned out garage and Rughead is in shock. So he starts talking and he just spills the beans. He tells Loomis that Packard and the others killed Jamie Hawk- H- Haskins. Hawkins, Hankins, whatever his name is, and that Jamie showed up at the garage the other night with a shotgun. We saw the spaceman, but Rughead thinks he saw behind the visor, and it was Billy's brother Jamie back there. So the pieces are all starting to come together at this point. Jake is really the ghost of Jamie getting revenge for his murder. Loomis tells Rughead to go home and wait to hear from him. And as Loomis examines the burned out wreckage of the garage, we get to see a part, some kind of metal piece. We assume it's from the Wraith. Just disappear. Yeah, it's a ghost car. Next, we see Loomis in the super smoky kitchen at Big K's. You could die from smoke inhalation in this kitchen. Yeah. They didn't, instead of filming like an actual kitchen or something, they probably just like got a smoke machine. It might have even been some kind of a, a camera effect because it's just, it was exactly as smoky in the sheriff's office. So Loomis has questions for Billy about his brother's death. He thinks whoever is killing members of the gang will go after Packard next. Then he just starts pouring sugar into a cup of coffee and just keeps pouring the sugar in. 
at, at this point, there's like just a cup of sugar. There's a cup of sugar, yeah. There's like no room for coffee. <laughs> Loomis asks if Jamie had a girlfriend, and Billy explains that Jamie was with Carrie the night he disappeared, and everybody knows that. Apparently, Carrie was hit on the head and doesn't remember anything from that night. Loomis asks if she think if he uh, thinks Packard might have done it, but Billy thinks Jamie's death, or Loomis thinks Jamie's death may be connected with the killing of the members of Packard's gang. Next, we get Jake and Carrie arriving at Big K's. He tries to convince her to leave Packard, and that's when she asks who he is, and Jake says, "Ask Packard who I am. He knows why I'm here." He also says his time here is just about over. And Packard has been watching all of this from his car parked right across the street. Well, he drives over to Big K's, picks Carrie up caveman style, throws her over his shoulder, and then stuffs her into his car. Billy tries to stop him, but ends up taking a beating while everybody watches. And then Packard drives away with Carrie. He tells Carrie he's taking her to California, where no one will ever find him because there aren't people in California, right? Ghost town in Arizona all the way to California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie remembers that Packard was, one, was the one who killed Jamie, and she tells Packard she'd rather have gutter boys kids than be with him. Damn. That's, that's, that's low. That's pretty harsh, Carrie. Pretty harsh. That guy's a 40-day-old virgin, man. I know. Well, Packard pulls over and pulls a knife on Carrie when the interceptor appears. So... Uh, yeah, we're going to forget all about this girl. There's a race. We got a race. <laughs> this is the final road race of the movie, Packard versus the Interceptor. And since it is the last race of the movie, it kind of drags on trying to build suspense. Uh, the Interceptor takes off as Packard passes Loomis and his deputies, and they give chase. Packard, we see Packard behind a car carrier and he decides to pass it. There's another truck coming toward him and he gets over just in time, but the deputies that are chasing him aren't so lucky and they crash into the car carrier, which causes a huge wreck on the road. And then we see the interceptor just stop and make a U-turn and head toward Packard as he's trying to catch up. Packard sees Jake standing in the middle of the road, so he stomps on the gas pedal. He's going to end this crap. But as he gets closer, you see the interceptor speeding toward Packard. Like, the guy standing in the middle of the street is maybe an illusion, and what's really coming yeah. towards him is the car, and they hit head-on and explode with a really cool fire tornado. Yeah, that was sweet. Like, yeah, all the stunt work and stuff and the car chases are pretty cool for like a shitty movie right yeah it actually did really well and we get another shot of parts of the interceptor disappearing next thing we see the fires out packard's car is completely burned away there's nothing left but a shell and packard laying in his underwear dead <laughs> yeah He's Rolled just out. got his he's just got his eyes closed though he's, his eyes aren't missing like the others were <laughs> yeah but there's not a mark on him otherwise. One of the deputies wants to set up a roadblock to catch the interceptor, but Loomis says, nah, don't worry about that. This is all over now. <laughs> I think that for a law enforcement officer, he 
was pretty quick to jump on the ghost story, ghost seeking revenge story and buy into it. So he's 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 convinced this investigation's closed. There's nothing else to find yeah. here. Let the X-Files short it out. I ain't doing this shit. Exactly. I got to get reelected. We are too <laughs> close to Area 51, and this shit's too weird for me to spend any more time on it. Pretty much, Joe. <laughs> like, he knows it was like all this, this dude that came back as a ghost or whatever. Yeah. And it was all down. He's just not, not dealing with it. Next, we see Carrie walking home as the Interceptor pulls up and the spaceman gets out and the spacesuit vanishes, revealing Jake. It was Jake driving the Interceptor all along. Jake reveals to Carrie that he's really Jamie, her dead boyfriend, and he's got one more thing to do before he comes back to get her. Don't pack a big bag. We're not going far. Apparently, he's going to take her somewhere. We see Billy cleaning up at Big K's as he hears someone come in. So he grabs a baseball bat thinking it's Packard, but it's not Packard. It's Jake. Just there to say that he's leaving. My work here is done. But he wants Billy to have the interceptor. And then he reveals to Billy that I'm actually your dead brother. (laughs) And he tells him the instructions to the car in the glove box that it does some pretty cool stuff. And he takes off on his bike. Next, we cut to Loomis. He's sitting in his car at night outside Carrie's house when Jake comes to pick her up and they leave. She's got a duffel bag and we get a shot. I mean, it kind of looks like Loomis is convinced that this is the ghost of Jamie. And we get a shot of them riding off into the moonset and roll credits. Yeah. The story had potential. It just this wasn't the guy who was going to find it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they totally went and took this and like made that the crow. Right. I mean, that inspiring. guy found the potential. Yeah. And then, like, also, this movie was the inspiration for one of the characters in Twisted Metal. Okay. There's a white car in there driven by a ghost called the Wraith. And I mean, they, you know, it's just, it, it inspired like a bunch of stuff. You know, it's just this movie, like, Totally sucks. Okay. Well, I mean, you don't have to be a masterpiece to inspire other good work. And and yeah. so yeah, I mean, but this wasn't a it wasn't a particularly good movie, but it wasn't a horrible movie, you know. Yeah. I, I watched it once and and that's probably enough, but I, you know, I'm <laughs> glad I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie to like, I don't know, it's like a Sunday. Uh, you ain't got nothing to do, you know, grab like a couple of beers and some popcorn and then turn your brain off for about like 98 minutes. Yeah, it's one of those movies that you can put it on, not pay a whole lot of attention until there's another crash coming up and and waste a whole afternoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, like we did Emilio. Estevez, so I was like, hey, we, we got to do a Charlie Sheen movie. Right. Right. We got it. We got it. We can't do one brother without doing the other. I'm interested to, I'm curious why Emilio Estevez used his real name as an actor, but his dad and his brother did not use their real names. You know, Martin Sheen uh, and Charlie Sheen. That's not their names. Because they'd figure if, if, if it was like Latino that they would get typecast, you know. Probably, probably. But like uh, Emilio, he, he didn't care. He didn't care, and he didn't get typecast either. Yeah, like Joe Estevez, like uh, Martin Sheen's brother. Right. I mean, he got typecasted as Joe Estevez, but... Okay. Yeah. And that may be why 
So, all right. That makes sense. Oh, man, that was fun. I, I enjoyed watching this just because it was funny. Uh, I love the characters of Gutter Boy and Skank because we've seen that character, those characters played over and over again in so many movies. And this was this was a good portrayal of that character. Yeah, I really love the car chases. I love the cartooniness of the gang. Right. Like, because there's like a, you know, Rughead, he's pretty cool. And like the other two guys, like they're a weird gang, really, you know? Yes. Yes, they and are a very weird gang. Just in the dreaminess of the whole fucking thing is just right. weird. And like, yeah. there's some cinematography in there. The plot is just all kinds of crazy banana pants stuff. Right. The plot is kind of of half-assed but you know it, it made for a fun watch anyway hell yeah all right man i think that's a podcast hell yeah we hope you enjoyed this podcast we had a lot of fun making it be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us you can follow cdf pod on facebook and instagram or at cdf underscore pod on twitter you can also visit our website at cdfpod.com and don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made Thank you